Oh, hello there, Chuck. <laughs> I didn't see you there. How are you? Hmm? Good. Just uh, editing the episode. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Oh, you commoner and your common talk. I guess I'm what you would say, <laughs> doing not much. <laughs> what is this? Chuck, pst, pst, Chuck, it's me, your pal Brady. I'm practicing patronizing, so I'm working on being more condescending to people. <laughs> oh, Ooh. do you have any idea where Matt can get some crumpets around here? <laughs> uh, oh, wh- why are you doing this? You know, for our Patreon. We've been asking people to patronize our page, and I didn't want to ask them to do something I wasn't willing to do it myself, so I figured I'd get some practice in. Oh, God. Brady, no, that's huh? that's what? not what it means. Oh, no? Listen. Listeners can go to our Patreon page, pick the level you want to contribute. Oh. Each level has special rewards. Okay. Like exclusive life after minisodes. Or not safe for work bloopers? Uh, or like a monthly collection of deconstruction memes. And even personal consultations or meet up with your favorite host, Chuck and Brady? Yeah. Brady. Patreon.com slash the life after. <laughs> I guess even you could find it. <laughs> So it just started with... Um... <laughs> Sorry, hold on one second. What is that? That's my vacuum. <laughs> Let me put on that for you a little bit. Welcome to The Life After. I am Chuck Parson, your co-host, and I am here with... Uh, this. When you hear this voice, it's Brady Harden. <laughs> That's it. Whenever I introduce this Brilliant. show to people, I'd be like, oh, I'm the funny one with the stupid voice, and you're the smart one with the sexy voice. Mm. I'm not upset about that. I know. I'm just kind of disappointed because I let everyone down. <laughs> no, we need comic relief, Brady. This is a depressing show. Like, at the end of the day, you know. That is true. It's a pretty depressing show. Yeah, no, it's just... great because we're all getting better now, but Do you we cover a lot of depressing content. Yeah, made you feel like you're gonna burn it out. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's make jokes about it. Let's yeah, let's uh let's just break down most of your personal trauma for about uh an hour and a half and then um we'll Fart try noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. We'll throw in some goofy gas commercials that aren't, <laughs> aren't very well produced because the guy that does all the production is a nincompoop. I'm really excited about today's episode. Yeah, yeah, this is good. I've been looking forward to this one for a while, actually. Uh, today we have an in the studio yeah. here in St. Louis, Missouri. Finally, um, yeah, we have we... our friend L. Renee. Say hello, say hello, L. Hey, everybody. Awesome. <laughs> um, L is the uh, chief organizer. <laughs> I, I, I wanted it. to say master organizer at first, Ooh, which I good. also like. Master chief, okay, master hello. chief organizer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, chief Cortana. organizer of um, of the Black Non Believers of St. Louis, the St. Louis chapter of uh, Black Non Believers. Is there a name for the national organization that's different? Black Non Believers. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we were flipping through their brochure. It's it's great. It's full of just wonderful <laughs> brochure. Well, I'm, I, I mean, yeah, I guess pamphlet is a better word. It's but. just funny. It's, well, I met you at a conference, Skepticon, right? Skepticon, yes. mm-hmm. and um, I ran into you. We were talking, and I'm like, oh my god, she's so cool. And you've never really shared your story in a setting like this, right? I have not. This is a first. Cool. <laughs> so you're a little nervous. I understand that. But I think we're going to have um, a really great show and be able to touch on some things that we haven't been able to really 
dive into that yeah, much yeah, yet for in sure. the show. So I'm excited. We're pretty excited about it. Can you kind of, um, let's dive in. Do you mind telling us kind of like the environment of what it was like with you growing up? What did that culture look like? Let's see. Uh, church was all that I knew. Uh, was I'm a preacher's kid. Mm. Both of my parents are in ministry. Um, stepfather has ministered, pastored for all my time here. Um, lots of different denominations. Pentecostal, um, okay. <laughs> Church of God in Christ, uh, the church that they pastor now and and they did uh for a lot of my childhood uh, was a non-denominational church so broke away from the really structured strict religion doctrine and went non-denominational which is a little freer in some aspects than than some of the others uh like Pentecostal. Uh, that's the one I have some vivid memories of. Uh, yeah, you was, had some pretty strict yeah, rules. Yeah, right? it was. <laughs> like it was. I, makeup, you, you no makeup. You don't know how to play spades. I, I don't. My black right? card is revoked. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally frankly all yes. and, and the red cards were revoked. Oh I was no cards. <laughs> we were not allowed to have any cards in the house. No oh dice. God. Oh my God. No dominoes. But the disciples, they, they cast they lots. lots. <laughs> What was that? They shot they shot crafts to decide who was going to be the 12th one. That's interesting, though, kind of being a pastor and going from different denominations, yeah. because that's not something that's always heard of. But I'm wondering if maybe that had to do with, like, black culture and that being kind of like the common denominator um, as much as, like, because, like, you know, there's too many of my people. And so <laughs> we, we have so many choices of denominations and we can just kind of stick with that over, you know, because theology is so important in some cultures sure, and sure. other cultures. That's not the most important thing. Maybe the most important thing is like, hey, we have this common ancestry together. Yeah, I, I think church evolved um, or my parents did or people who were once in strict denominations. I think as time goes along, people find that really restrictive. Um, mm-hmm. What I've seen, I can only talk from my experience, but from what I know, you really find a lot of older people in the older black people in the Pentecostal and Church of God in Christ type churches um, because of their requirements to be holy. Um, it's it's even less attainable <laughs> than <laughs> than normal. So people, right. you know, will will go to something that that feels a little more free, um, still venturing away from biblical standards. Of course, we know that, but um, it it allows them to feel more free in what they want to do. Sure, sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so you you were in like a, a couple of different charismatic settings, is that right? Or just was it just one? It seems like you... It, it, I, well, okay, I throw out the word charismatic. It seems like, like you talk about, like in your... Okay, so in uh, sort of your introductory questionnaire, you talked about people being like, like receiving the spirit. Yes. Right. Yes. We saw it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And you know, <laughs> there was a, a whole group of children in the back of the church. Um, we were there uh, purely for entertainment. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't say that I retained much from all those uh-huh. sun up to sundown church services and people can't tell me anything oh about being in church <sighs> and packing a lunch because we literally packed lunches. So, 
um, there were five children uh, oh at God. one point when we were all home together growing up and uh we would pack food. We would get up early on Sunday morning and drive an hour plus oh, wow. to no. a church that my dad ministered at. And we'd have the morning service. We'd get out of that. We'd go over to the pastor's house and have a dinner in between. And, um, and then we'd come to another service. <laughs> and, you know, it, we were in all day church. And, you know, oh every God. once in a while we had, to, if, if, if it was a revival or something like that, oh we would yeah. run out to the car and eat the sandwiches and stuff that was packed. Or there was a little corner store that had, you know, food. We, you know, <laughs> it was an all day, it was an all day thing. And so as children, you had to make fun of some fun out of that. Yeah. Um, so we would sit in the back and we would joke. I mean, my brothers and I still to this day, we've got a very comedic family, but I think that started out of us having to sit in church as long as we did <laughs> because we found you everything funny. Something. Like, look at sister so-and-so, uh -huh. you know, cutting a rug over there. <laughs> and that's when we would really pay attention. And, um, you know, we were able to mock people shouting mm, uh -huh. and, you know, we would laugh about it when we got home. We would get up and shout like they did. Uh -huh. And, you know, it was just, it was, I guess it was maybe a release for us. Like, yeah. we got to be here. We're going to make this shit fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might as well. Yeah, my attention span just hurts thinking about it. Yeah, that, that's a lot, you know? man. But I'm also thinking of the Keen Peel church lady skits. Uh-huh. I love those. Yeah, definitely Google those. So yeah. good. <laughs> um... What, what kind of, I mean, like, so shouting, was there dancing? Was yeah, there, there was, was there dancing, like, shouting. There was, you know, healing, you know. Oh, right. You know, when they're touching your touching your forehead and, mm. you know, pushing your back at the uh -huh. same the time. The falls over and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you were a woman sitting on the front row or in the pulpit, you had to have a scarf across your lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. I also yeah. know that, like, in charismatic churches, whenever that stuff happens, there's, like, designated people to come run and, like, put a towel over yes. to keep your modesty. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they would create a whole barrier if someone was really into it. It'd be like three or four women with, you know, uh -huh. with blankets stretched out. Red Rover with Jesus, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, Stop, David, drop and David roll. danced naked, so, uh, I mean, I don't They know. had their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, a skirt would fly. I'm sure. I believe it, yeah. No, it's, okay, so, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, now I'm kind of, like, retroactively wishing that I would have been in a more charismatic environment, like... <laughs> Between like being incredibly bored and like drawing, you know, it was fun. The church. choirs were always, you know, the bomb. Most of them. Oh, yeah. Sometimes the visiting yeah. church choir wasn't always that good, uh -huh. so that was always a laugh. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, I remember. The yeah, the music was always on point. The yeah. traveling. There's something about those traveling groups. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the music is just like it's precise, but it's not good. You know, I remember. It, so I went to a pretty I went to an extremely white Baptist church. Actually, I think there were like maybe two black people in that church in hindsight, <laughs> which is real weird. But I was raised pretty culturally white, so I didn't I didn't bat an eye at it at the time. But um, there was a revival group that came through, and like we had you know services every night that week. And the guy that did music did like he would like sing these. Baptist hymns because you know they're not just traveling to like like suburban and urban churches they're like in these super rural oh, churches yeah, where yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah, sing yeah. the hymnal like you're gonna they're get they're not gonna know the yeah and he would like 
he would like move his hand to like indicate where the pitch was going like Mm -hmm. in between and you can imagine the the level of like milk toast whiteness that came with that you know (laughs) just like imagine my hand going up and down with those pitches it was not translating perfectly well in in podcast form but i think we get it (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah yeah, that's oh man it's something i totally forgot about the choir director is the show right oh there's a choir with the choir director he's the show (laughs) yeah 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 but yeah just um not, uh, you know, uh, you could not wear pants uh, in some of those churches. I spent a good portion of my childhood being the only person, only girl who wore skirts. Ooh, the Clear black up sheep. until seventh grade. Yes. Oh, I, well, your, yeah. I had black sheep down pat. Uh-huh. I, I was I was totally weird. The few friends I managed to have. Um, they liked me anyway, but it was, oh, it was few God and far between. People. Yeah, God bless yeah, those people. Yeah, super people. weird homeschool yeah. kids, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I remember my first pair of pants in seventh grade getting them, and they were baggy. They had pleats, and they were burgundy, uh-huh. and I tried to wear the hell out of those pants. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, being on bus stops and cold and you know, going down slides with my skirt flying in my oh, face. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be wanted to be a kid, but what, yeah. why were you allowed to have pants? Does that when you're it was family? doctrine? It was it was. I part mean, why? Of the, but why know. were you got pants? Oh, because my grandmother. Oh, <laughs> because can't grandmother, say no to yeah. I love her. Uh, no, she, you know, she um, had a discussion uh, with my parents. I think it might have gotten a little heated um, because she used to live across from the uh, school that I went to, mm-hmm. and uh, she saw me go down the slide one day and my skirt flying in my face. Uh, uh-huh. And she she was livid. And there were men, you know, there were people that were just passing by and sometimes the men would come to the fence and watch you know the boys play basketball and stuff like that and she saw me come down the slide with skirt flying in my face and she i think she had had enough at that point so she had a discussion but that i mean it didn't stop right then i just think it was a it was a change in in church i I don't remember exactly it might have been a change in the place that we worshiped sure and the doctrine but that was still that was still a few years before i actually got the pair of pants you know this was on the heels of stuff was just always changing like no christmas tree right not allowed oh wow to, okay. Okay. okay now we can have a christmas tree okay because you're kind of having to change what your rules are with each Correct. place that you're going to it's almost like you're Correct. a military kid but then like <laughs> you're changing armies each time right? <laughs> yeah 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 yes right. yes that's yeah. wild. And there was, okay, so in your church culture, as in, I would probably say most, there was a, a overemphasis on what women wear, wore in particular, oh, right? Absolutely. Especially young women. Absolutely. Yes. Right. There was an expectation that you not be distracting. Yeah. That part. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. uh. Blend and be quiet. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't cause men to stumble. stumble. Yeah. That's right. Men. Yes. That bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You who knows you twelve year old girl who knows absolutely nothing about making sec- men about stumble. Human right. sexuality. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Are personally responsible Perfect. for not making these men who are grown who have no apparently control over their sexuality. <laughs> you know, and it's the craziest thing. Um, and I think religion. Uh, definitely 
festers that type of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a good looking woman. I was you got a, it going on. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, but I remember as a young girl, just the hugs being uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's a if if it's a saying in white churches, but in black churches they call something they call it the church hug. And it's when you oh, hug somebody this. with the top, you know, you but your butt is out, oh, like you're, okay. you're kind yeah, of yeah, angled. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You're angled so that there's less gropiness. Right. And so, I mean, that that's a thing that kind of evolved. But um, even as a as a young woman growing up and developing, and you know, just the hugs, they get long, they get you know, just a little too close. And mm-hmm. I don't always want to hug you, right, right. But it seems like you know that's just the thing you're supposed to do, and you know, Obligated you better not say no. Um, mm. Well, and, there's just no concept of bodily autonomy, correct? Right? No. Like, especially right. if you're like under. I don't know, 15 or 16 probably is when people kind of start respecting your boundaries, maybe, depending on what church you're part of. I think it really depends on culture because black families um, can often get offended if someone doesn't doesn't hug them. I mean, I had a situation with my my younger daughter not wanting to hug a family member Uh and she'd never seen them before. And um, my husband at the time got really upset about her not mm-hmm. hugging him. And, you know, you hear everybody going, oh, that's your uncle. You should give him a oh, hug. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, she doesn't want to. Yeah. Right. And that should be OK. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, young women get violated uh, in that way. Uh, I think it's... Um, you know that Ariana Grande situation when that happened. Right. Yeah, 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 everybody yeah. remember oh, that. I remember that happening. It was I so uncomfortable. I understood of, uh, that. I, well, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. from the pastor that was. Yeah, the pastor you know, was kind of grabbing yeah, her by the shoulder, by but like the, clearly and, and like and trying pressing. to grab her yeah. breast. Yeah, yeah, it's totally inappropriate. Ugh. But yeah. I'm familiar. I'm familiar with that, and and sadly, you know, the statistic I think for. Um, women, I, I know for black women, I think it's like one in four have been molested. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could sit in a room full of black women, you could about count them out who's been violated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a survivor of that. So, um, you know, I think religion just forces people to just just to conform and to not have any say so mm-hmm. over over their bodies and and what they would like to do and what they don't like mm-hmm. uh, and you just better not say anything about it and it it, it makes space for predators right to mm-hmm. to sort of like creep their way in to like get their jollies right i mean it's like really g- fucking gross yeah. stuff right but it's like when that is the expectation and i mean like to correct what i said earlier like particularly with family even in white culture it's like for older generations it's weird for you not to want to hug to like let your kids not hug people but like that should absolutely if your kid is uncomfortable hugging somebody there's probably a reason for that i see a i see a push now like on social media with parents sharing things but of course you know i'm in an echo chamber but there's still but it's a thing that people are becoming more knowledgeable of. Conscious of, yeah. Don't force your kid to hug people. Right. You know, that's their choice. Totally. Right. Yeah. And, and like, be more, just be more dubious about why people want to hug your kids, you know? 
why, why is that like a necessary greeting? Why is that you know? a necessary greeting? Yeah. Yeah. What, what does yeah. it mean if you don't? It, I mean, you don't know me, or either you know me and you. Right. Why do I need a hug from and a child? And why are you so upset that I'm not me? letting you? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, what's what's so? Uh, why are you so angry about that? Huh? Mm. <laughs> you know. So, um, mm. you okay? So you mentioned that you uh, were molested as a, a a preteen, unfortunately, which is you know just hard stop, right? Like yeah. that's so fucked up. I'm um, so sorry that happened to you. Right. Absolutely. Um, was that like in a church environment or somebody that you knew from that world? It was a family member. Okay. Okay. It was a family member. And it, it seems to me that, I mean, this exact sort of attitude that we're talking about, which is like, if somebody is in your family or in your church family, the expectation is that they are acting in your best interest. Like mm-hmm. the assumption is that they're acting in your best right, interest. Right. And the expectation is that you will treat them with a certain amount of uh, respect and that you will, you will allow them to touch you and uh, you know, and they're going to be around. Right. Mm -hmm. So in, in a lot of ways that particular culture, like really put you in a bad situation. It, it, it did. Um, I, I think this will resonate with uh, with other black women. Uh, the fact that our mothers were always cautioning us about what we wear around uh, men in the family. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who they were. You know, like, don't walk around here in pants or put a bra on. You know, you just can't have a shirt on with, with no bra. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to cover up when there are uh, men around. Even if they're your family, um, you know, don't sit on don't sit on people's laps, uh, mm-hmm. you know that that kind of thing. And so, you know, they call that being fast. That's a uh-huh. that's a black term. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Being fast, you know, you you're being extra around yep. men, and you know, kind of flaunting your femininity. And, right. Okay. 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 Yeah, and that's that's for, not okay. The bar for that, that is do. set pretty low, too. Right. It's like pants like okay yeah (laughs) yeah again i'm at home why can't i wear shorts yes yeah in my house right i have to have a bra on because they're a man and it takes you a while to unlock from that because i was a whole adult walking around wearing a bra in the house fuck is wrong (laughs) like you know why why am i doing that and then no such standard for men correct no no term for like there are f- no men are fast. Nobody's saying right, right. Men are not fast. Right, right. Manish, manish. So they would call boys manish. Uh huh. Yeah. But you didn't hear that often. I mean, if they were called manish, it was something overt, like they, you know, tried to kiss a girl or tried to, sure. you know, or they were looking at her butt and it was noticeable or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. know, but yeah, there was no restrictions about. And it's not as it's not as shameful of a status. No, Either. absolutely not. Yeah, give a boy a high five for being Yeah, yeah, for being managed. Yeah, <laughs> right. suit. yeah for real. It's, it's such an unequal, asymmetric thing that it's, you know, the men are expected to, if there's an opportunity, take it. And the women are like just not 
supposed to be making those opportunities yeah. you know and i know we get it but just like it, it hits me on so many different levels each time we talk about it just like how fucked up it is to be a woman in a church like oh it's so i mean it's like so bad like we could never really get to the bottom yeah. of it yeah know? you are somebody's no prize you've got to save yourself. yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, but you're right like somebody who jumps at an opportunity or finds an opportunity they don't have the same consequences or the same right. words or not at all managed. That's not even a, pff, <laughs> give me a break. Yeah. It's like a compliment and to some people who care about their masculinity in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh yeah, I guess yeah. I'm manish bitch. Like, yeah. 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 Fuck that. I <laughs> yeah. hate it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Hey, uh, a stud. Stud. <laughs> uh, um, there we okay so not only does church culture and this this expectation for women not only to like like dress and behave a certain way but also like uh be you know open to hugging whoever the fuck wants to hug them right it's it's enabling for predators and it it even goes beyond that because when like okay so in your situation you didn't come out about this for years. It was years and years. Oh, it took a long time. So I got mm. I got married really early again. That was that was part, you know, we didn't want well, I let's let's rewind. I got <laughs> pregnant, the preacher's daughter uh-huh. got pregnant and that's, that's about right for a PK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, PKs have quite the reputation. Uh-huh. I lived up to it. <laughs> I did I did a pretty damn good job. Um, I'm pregnant at 15 and a half. I have mm. a boyfriend who's a senior. I was a freshman at okay. the time. Yeah. yeah. Grease line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, both of us uh, did not have relationships with our biological fathers. Okay. And so we had always had this discussion about, you know, we didn't want our daughter to grow up, you know, without her mm-hmm. biological parents. Cool. And mm-hmm. so like, okay let's get married. We need to get married. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of went a little something like um, talking to my parents, letting them know that we wanted to get married. They had to sign papers because I was not yet 18. I was still in high school. And so they signed the papers, you know, oh my God. They, they were more than happy to, to make this legal in I God's eyes. I cannot imagine. And so I graduated, um, let me see if I can get this right. I graduated June 2nd, uh, no. got married on June 3rd, no. and my 18th birthday was June 4th. Whoa. No. Yeah. Party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so being a pregnant PK, all the tr- all the... <laughs> all the trials that came along with that, you really get to see the ugliness of Christians. Yeah. I mean, they had a whole lot to say to my parents oh, and, God. you know, snide stuff to say to me. You know, I, I wasn't perfect. I just saw an opportunity to get from under those wings and I, yeah. <laughs> I broke for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I mean, they, they had some pretty, you know, the deacon of the church, if that was my daughter, I'd make her get an abortion. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, sir. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you can right. speak into that. Her life, sure. <laughs> Seriously. So, so yeah, so it, it kind of went like, but I did not tell anyone, I didn't tell my, my parents or anyone about being molested until I was, I think I might have been about 21 wow. or so. I, I'd so had sorry. a second child by then. Mm-hmm coming home to visit and 
ended up blurting it out um, mm. just for, for time's sake. I won't go through the details of the conversation, but I ended up Thanksgiving dinner blurting it out. It, well, it was just me and my mom and I ended up blurting it out. And, oh, okay. Um, to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was a really awkward situation. I, I feel like, sorry, not to cut you <laughs> no, off, but I, I just feel like the reason that the, the reason that it took you so long to, come out about it was because of this exact thing where it's like the expectation is that women are going to prevent these things from happening to them by behaving and dressing a certain way. Mm. Yeah. Right. So there's just no, like the idea of holding a predator accountable in church culture is just so foreign. I mean, it's, it's like off the table. You know, and it's like to the point where they, in a lot of situations, will go out of the way to make sure that the predator doesn't get into legal trouble. Even if he's in trouble with the church, he'll get dirt church discipline, but don't go to the police about it. Oh, church discipline? I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe not I don't even know that. What, I don't know what that looked like because he was still allowed to be in the pulpit. Um, right. God, he was still so allowed sorry. to still allowed to minister, still allowed to come around the family after mm. I, after I revealed that. You deserved protection. I did. I did. My family and I were working through, through some stuff. He's no longer here. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some, some closure, right? There's some closure. Yes. And I wasn't the only one in the family. He did it too. I did right. find that out many, many years later. Yeah. Yeah. See, and it's, the black families have a lot of secrets. Mm. It, um, the the love of my life encouraged me uh, before I left home to uh, speak my truth, speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And and those those words, you know, really hang with me. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff. This is painful to talk about. Not something that I want to out my family about. Right. But it's my truth, and I think it will help someone anything i say on this podcast is is not to um be offensive or shame anyone you know i really want to help mm-hmm. help someone who might be who might be dealing with the same thing but but yeah there's a lot of secrets in black families and i think that's a that's a cultural mm-hmm. thing that's something we've got to do better as because mm-hmm. i mean i i was I was in a marriage. I was in therapy. I had two kids. I was taking a Prozac prescription. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. doing a lot of things to try to cope with this. And I just really needed to be able to talk about talk it. Talk about so it. So would that be your main advice to somebody who's gone through that is just find somebody to talk find to? Find someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to. Whether you're religious or or non-religious, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give a plug for uh, recovering from religion. They have um, a, a tool that helps you find a secular therapist, yes, secular which is project. really important mm-hmm. uh, if you are uh, on a journey of deconversion mm-hmm. um, to find someone that's not going to, you know, powder your issues with with biblical scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> scripture, excuse me. No, no. Nope. There we go. Same one. But um <laughs> But yeah, so I think it's it's important, and and therapy is frowned upon in the black culture, yeah, mm-hmm. as well. Yep. You know, you're seen as as weak. You know, you didn't let Jesus hand, you didn't turn yeah. it over to God, right? Um, 
you know, you didn't lay it on the altar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you're carrying the burden and it's like, I I got some real shit going on that I need to talk to somebody about. Sorry. How many times do I have to lay it on the proverbial fucking altar? Like how many times do I have to pray about it? How many times do I have to confess it? How many times do I have to, you know, and it's just like, what, uh, give me the magic formula for making this pain go away and I'll believe in your fucking Right. Jesus, you know, and then you'll find, you know, a lot of a lot of Christians, they're medicating in other ways against biblical scripture. You know, they're they're still having sex. (laughs) They're probably the most sexually active people on the planet. Right. Um, You know, they're they're drinking, they're clubbing, they're partying, they're doing all this stuff to keep pushing that down and it creates unhealthy people. You have children and they're unhealthy. They're not whole. Right. And so we just have to address our stuff yeah mm. we gotta own our shit yeah yeah and and don't be ashamed of therapy it is such a it is such a healing and like this like peaceful place to be you know it's it is. like so, it is so much better than trying to pray it away you know Ugh, just, it just doesn't work no it just doesn't do i tried job. for a very long time and by the way whenever i said that i was not having sex i also included my marriage in there <laughs> wow king of queens thursday night at 7 30 oh yeah i get no respect no respect um you know i think this might be a good place to pause because there, there's something that you mentioned about counseling and we're gonna touch on later because i know your story i read the book and uh i know that like coming up is some stuff about church therapy and church counseling whatever the hell that is oh yeah and how uh destructive that bullshit Quote, can unquote, be. Counseling. so um that is a t- uh, topic that we're going to touch on uh when we get back right after this Okay, Chuck, are you ready? Have we only have one shot? We got to make this work. Uh, wait, you didn't just give just me just read in, your in, lines. I'll oh, give you the paper. Okay, okay. okay. are you guys ready? Are you ready? Oh, All right. Uh, okay. uh, um, are you ready to deconstruct with friends? What the what the hell? Where did where did all this come from? Deconstructing your faith used to be lonely and boring as hell. But no one must deconstruct their faith alone ever again when you deconstruct with friends. Chuck, tell them what we mean. Um, yeah, Go. that's that's right, Brady. Yeah. Uh, the life after has a. Uh, uh, what the hell, Brady? Uh, I went full on Jumanji on this one. You keep going. He's a renter by the hour. The the Life After podcast has a secret Facebook community and Slack yeah. channel for people deconstructing the, the uh, Christian fundamentalism and other oppressive religions. Uh, meet new people and and, elephants. Uh, and deconstruct with, with friends. friends. <laughs> nice job, Chuck. You even got the echo. Uh, thanks. Uh, that was kind of cool, I guess. Oh, God, he's touching me with his trunk. Uh-huh, you can apply for the secret group it's wet. On, our fa- on our Facebook by answering three entrance questions. Your membership is hidden, and the admins keep the room constructive and helpful. Now, can we get this elephant out of here? 
Nope, probably not, but we can deconstruct with friends. Welcome back to Life After This is Brady Harden. I'm here with Chuck Parson and our new friend, Al. Hey, what's up? What's up? Okay, I grew up white suburbia. I don't know that much You're about like black rural culture. Almost. almost rural. I mean, we had some people of color at our church. Oh, did you? Uh, well, <laughs> one, but then he created kids, and so they count. Oh, half. okay. Yeah, yeah, you got to count all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm really intrigued by, you know, as you're talking, kind of understanding that the roles of church people are different. I know that in some cultures, you all... Uh, you all Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> Those people. Uh, <laughs> there's a phrase that you used before that I Keep thought was interesting. Of, um, first lady mm-hmm. of like your pastor's wife, mm-hmm. things like that. So I'm just like intrigued by how our cultures kind of like approach things differently. Um, what are some of the things that you would say are kind of like unique to the black Christian experience? Um. So I think the expectation of being a Christian is a very black thing. I, I can't speak for anything white, and forgive me if I'm speaking out of <laughs> no, out of fine. turn on anything. But uh, but yeah, I think the expectation is that black people are Christians. That mm. is what we do. Church is what we do. Um, I remember uh, going to church would be a whole weekend of preparation for Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, down to, you know, what you wore. I mean, we'd spend lots of Saturdays in the mall. You got to be sharp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, casket yeah. sharp showing up uh-huh. on Sunday. And, you know, if you've been to a service in a black church, it is a fashion show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it always has yep. been. Uh, I know some of that is rooted in, in slavery. That was probably about the only time we were able to, you know, really clean up and yep. go somewhere. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, so that's, that's a thing where we put on our Sunday best, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to go to church. Um, and, you know, just the whole experience of you didn't know anybody who wasn't a christian like it was Mm -hmm. rare right like growing up i only knew christians and there might have been a muslim or two that Mm -hmm. i knew of right nation of islam nation of islam yeah Yeah, exactly they weren't you know they they weren't at the dinner table but we knew of them it was usually someone who had gone to prison or was locked up okay you know that's usually where that conversion happens Uh from christianity to to you know the nation of islam yeah yeah. like they have like a well it's evangelical no it's the people that are in no, what happens is you get radicalized because you probably got locked up for some st- dumb shit and you realize that Christianity is the religion of the fucking oppressor and you change your course. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is like, is somebody is. <laughs> who's sharing that that good news of Muslim, you know what I mean? Like, oh. is that like, is there outside groups coming in and preaching or is it a lot No, of- I don't think so. I think it's internal to, okay, the, okay, okay. to the prison system. Yeah. I, I mean, you think about it, they have a lot of time on mm, their hands. Yeah. So they do a lot of research, you know, to their credit, they have a lot of time. They do a lot of reading and researching and uh, there's usually really strong groups of, mm. uh, you know, nation of Islam, Muslim folks within the prison community. Okay. Um, it, it becomes a brotherhood of sorts you know likewise i'm sure that there are christian groups you know um 
my parents, their church, they would go minister in the prisons. I used to do that. And stuff. Yeah, so I they had a whole prison ministry. I I never jail. went. Um, but but yeah, so that to my knowledge, that's that's what it's like. Okay. There, so I think that's, that's how that happens. So you know, a Christian, you know, Christians, or a couple Muslims, you don't know anybody that's not anything. Anything, right? Right. That's right. yeah. That's, that that would be like seeing a unicorn, and uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like family, like you're. What do you mean you're nothing? Yeah. I mean, even you know, it's a it's a funny thing, and I notice it more and more as I you know go about town. But we could go like I I go into the beauty supply store. And it could be owned by Asians and they'll mm-hmm. have black gospel music playing. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that mm-hmm. about? And I mean, it's blasting over the speakers. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. are you compelling me to shop? You know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you trying to get me in the mood? That's good you know, marketing. It's maybe this marketing. works for some people. But to me, it's just like, oh, it is such a turnoff. Like, right. this is the perception. Like, well, it's what did, what did the Pew Research say recently it's like the like 80 percent or something of yeah. of black americans identify high. as christians yes and even even black millennials which is like in white culture it's like falling off so rapidly like fewer mm. and fewer people are becoming christians but it's almost unchanged in black millennials from right. my understanding and i think you'll find another thing that's uh maybe unique to the black community is that even if someone doesn't call themselves a Christian or they don't regularly go to church, they'll still never take that next step about, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus being fake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, there is no God. Mm-hmm. There there are lines that are not going to be crossed. Like I, I, I might not be a every Sunday go to church, you know, kind of person, but I'm also not denouncing. They would never even come close to addressing that. So to be in the position that you're in is like culturally pretty radical. Absolutely. It is unicorn and a unicorn, a unicorn (laughs) outside the norm. Can you talk to me about that, about the experience of being sort of like just by simply saying the true statement, I don't believe in God anymore. Your experience of that making you an outsider. Gosh, I feel like I've been an outsider my entire life. Mm-hmm. I told you in the in the first segment, you know, black sheep. I was different from lots of the other kids. Couldn't go to dances, school dances or anything. Mm. Couldn't play secular music. You at were an home. outsider for the I opposite outsi- reason. Yeah, I was an outsider for you the were hyper religious. <laughs> yeah, hyper religious. <laughs> um, you know, I don't lead with the fact that I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get into a conversation, it, it's it's not something that I lead with. It's just not because I'm, I'm a person that's about energy and about purpose when I engage with people and knowing people's place in my life. Like if this mm. is just a, you know, casual conversation, I'm not bringing religion up because what I'm going to do is waste my breath trying to explain to you my position. You're not interested like in, um, you're not interested to learn or know anything for yourself Mm. or to spark any original thought you are Mm. here to Mm -hmm. debate me and try to convince me that i'm not what i just clearly told you that i am uh so that's that's just me and that's a that's a newer thing that has developed i I went from being a a real people pleaser to being like fuck you 
I don't mm-hmm. care anymore. Um, you know, I, you know, I can, I, I don't owe you an explanation. Yes. Um, I, I don't have to. You don't owe you a debate. Oh gosh. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not into that. And there are lots of people who are, I see them on social media. Um, I'm not jumping in comments, debating with mm-hmm. strangers mm-hmm. for what? Now, if there's someone genuine that has some questions about, mm-hmm. yeah, that's you a know, yeah. why I'm what I am. Oh, please, by all means, let's have a discussion. But that that number of people, it's been very few and far between. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk a little bit about my social media since, you know, I think it kind of segues into that. Sure. Yeah. Um, I originally started out with my government name on Facebook, uh, just on there to connect with people, you know, far and wide and be able to share memories and stuff and started my deconversion journey. And, um, you know, I was starting to post some things and a lot of my initial posts as I was learning um, about more about myself, more about black history, um, uh I'll say this. I grew up a preacher's kid. All we knew was church. There wasn't a lot of talk about culture and history. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I went to a predominantly white school. Um, the answer to everything was Martin Luther King. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a uh, comedy segment from somewhere. George but Washington Carver. Yeah, George Washington something. Carver. That's, that's what it felt like. Like, I knew nothing about my roots. Um, and so as I, I, I think when I started untangling myself from religion, mm-hmm. I was thirsty to figure out, you know, what, what's my heritage? What, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where did I come from? How did, how did all this come to be? There was yep. just stuff that I wasn't taught. Yep. It wasn't in our history books. You know, a white teacher was not standing up there telling us about slavery or anything yeah. like that. And so, um, a lot of not my posts, any, like, realistic. not in any real terms that yeah. would, you know, that would validate me as a, as a right. person. And so a lot of my initial Facebook posts came across as, uh, I'll use the term black power. Sure. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and people would go back to my parents and say that. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, she's really the on. Snitches. Your daughter's on this black Don't they power know thing. Get stitches? Oh, my God. <laughs> Your daughter's really on this black power thing. And I was posting a few anti religion things, but I was kind of toeing the line. I sure. was a little scared to go there. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, if anything, I'm about my people. And I just really got really passionate about supporting us, about loving yeah. black people, about creating community. Um, I, I remember a post that went, it didn't go viral because I don't make things public to people, but I was, in, I was more intentional about supporting people in our community. Like there is not a day that I don't have something on my body that's made, that's not made by a black person. Mm -hmm. So I have friends who design clothes and jewelry and, you know, I patronize those businesses. I'm always wearing something that is handmade by some, by someone Mm -hmm. who looks like me. That's my part of giving, giving back and, 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 feeding our community and our system people don't understand how important that is it's very it's important. super important i heard a statistic that uh that it, like it was like the amount of time that it takes for a dollar to leave the black community oh, the black community or like any community right so for like the asian community it's like two, it's like it's really long it's like a month or something the, the white community it's super long uh, Latino community, it's like 14 days or something. The black community, it's like six hours. Yep. It's not even a full day. Yep. 
Yeah. So, and, and, and that has a lot to do with power structures. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I got real, real, real intentional about that. And, you know, the run tail that's is what I call them. They were running to my parents and, you know, that's initially what they thought it was. And I just then I started getting a little more brave and I got tired of people running back. I'm like, I'm a whole ass adult out here. Right, yep. right, right. Like, <laughs> you people have nothing else to do. Yep. Uh, and so I switched my name on social media to an alias just to drop the last name that was so heavily associated to mm-hmm. my parents, yeah. their church, church. In the past. So uh, I did that. And, uh, you know, I just, <laughs> it's a funny thing. Uh, Facebook has some interesting algorithms and I love observing human behavior. So now I post a little bit more of a little bit more non-religious things Mm -hmm. and you know i love comedy so i'll post a bunch of funny stuff and Uh then i'll throw in something anti-religious sure sure yeah this is all purposeful right yeah and i'll put it on my story i love the story thing yeah i love the story (laughs) feature because you could see who saw it and then you could see exactly the point where they drop off Uh it's like oh she just took it too far (laughs) (laughs) my goal my goal and i'm giving away my secrets here my goal is to spur some original fucking thought yeah yeah. we are scared to think anything other than what we've been taught other than what someone has stood up and told us Mm -hmm. um i was a christian for a long ass time and never read that bible Uh uh-huh i I, I carried it with me right Mm -hmm. But never read it. I mean, the pastor could tell me anything, uh-huh. and I and I didn't read it. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, all I'm trying to do is to get people to think, just have an original thought, mm-hmm. take that information. You know, don't trust what the per- what the meme says. You know, memes are effective; they're not the be all end all. Right, A lot gotta, of them are inaccurate. Fact check. You fact but check. go go research. chase that. Go chase yeah. that information down. We've got too many tools at our disposal to right. be ignorant of anything, you know, and I, to just accept things just at face value. Agreed. I love on. that. I love your. I, mean, I love that you just told us about that because social media is such a big part of a lot of people's deconstruction and trying to figure out how to navigate family and friends and the people that see what you post. And it's it's totally like make an alias, you know, like a lot of our listeners have made aliases. A lot of people in our private group have aliases because they just don't want to be they want to be able to talk freely about whatever, you know, they have going on without being interrupted by or interfered with by religious people that just want to try to reconvert them. Right. Right. And it's like you said, you know, there there are people that have authentic questions, you know, and it's totally cool to address those. But uh, honestly, even a lot of Christians are, Christians are sort of trained to like approach you seeming authentic and then like two comments in, then they, then they, you know, bring it back to the Bible or whatever. And it's like, don't go to coffee. The whole thing is like, you, you are not obligated to those conversations and you need to, and especially when you first deconstruct or deconvert, you need to, make space for yourself to to establish footing right and and you don't have to engage with those people what you were mentioning earlier just kind of about setting boundaries and what i noticed is that you mentioned kind of like boundaries of people who just want to debate you um and they're going to be different than how you would 
talk to somebody who actually does want to know. And I just, I love that you have dynamic boundaries that are appropriate for each situation Mm -hmm. that um, aren't just this like black and white on and off switch, but are a lot more like spectrum me and more nuanced. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. Yeah. I've, I'm more intuitive. That's um, a great thing that has, um, that came about after I, left religion mm. i trust my own voice yes mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more i trust my own intuition there's nothing talking to me it was me all along i'm pretty mm-hmm. damn smart yeah you are um and i i i'm very uh sensitive to energy mm-hmm. you know so i can i can pick up what the goal you know it's all about purpose and motivation for me what's your what's your purpose for approaching me what's your motivation you know what what um what's your reason for asking me these questions and i can usually pick that up yeah you know i can sense someone who's genuine and i can sense someone who is just there to do the christian thing of drawing you in Mm -hmm. and then kapaya you know i'm gonna punch you in the face with this book here (laughs) and these scriptures that i know um and and that's you know the end goal is to convert you and that's that's it um so i have less of those conversations um yeah it's it's just it's not necessary it serves no purpose Mm. I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm, I'm thinking about like, so the, like Brady was talking earlier about the, the role of religion in black culture and like, what is that? And like, and you said yourself, like the expectation is that you're Christian and if you're not Christian, you're Muslim. And if you're not that, then you're basically, I mean, (laughs) at that point, you're not, at that point, you're not black. And that's like what I, what I want to get at. Oh yeah. Atheism is some white shit. It's white shit. Right. And it's like. I I want to talk about this because it's like, I mean, as a mixed race individual, like in the mixed race community that I'm part of, we talk a lot about this and it's like, what, what is blackness? And then there's this problem of like, I, for lack of a better phrase, like weird blacks, mm-hmm. right? Which is like anybody that does not fit the preconceived notion of what a black person is supposed to be, mm-hmm. which honestly, a lot of that image is created by you know white supremacy it's created by uh you know the 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 systematic oppression mm. to make you fit a mold to make it so that that you don't succeed that you Stay don't that think mold, for yourself right. Yeah. right and it's it's so frustrating to me like i think about um like donald glover's record camp as he talks he talks a lot about like what like how how he himself is not black mm-hmm. even though he's clearly black right and you know and then there's this like shit i feel like we're, we're at this point in the conversation where this this is coming to a head right because you have like chance and kanye are going hard on the on the like christian and we can make fun of kanye because like i just want like <laughs> so much I, material he's there. just so full of shit right <laughs> And it's amazing, but it's like also incredibly, I think, incredibly damaging um, to to go like just go back down that. So like, let's revisit Christianity, you know, while we're at it, while we're while we're like making leaps and bounds in the entertainment industry and having a voice in a way that black people have never had with hip hop. Like, let's just uh, let's double back and like make it about Christianity again. So 
I don't know. I just, I don't really know what I what I'm trying to say. All I want to I just want to say like I feel like people that listen to the show that are brown and black in particular are probably struggling with the idea of their own identity because um, it is not acceptable to question your religiosity hmm. as a black person. Right. Well, how, what what are your thoughts on that? Is that's kind of a big it's kind of a big pass off, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we were not. Yeah, you're 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 raised to not question God. You don't question your parents. Um, you don't question anybody in authority uh, that has roots in slavery and and white supremacy. And, well, and so does Christianity. And Christianity in the black does. Narrative. But they don't want to talk about that part. <sighs> Nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> so frustrating. You to know, it has it has evolved. That's what it was, and we can forget about that. You know, because right. they're tying it to these good things and I'm doing right. air courts, these good things that are happening now as if mm-hmm. we've made so much progress and we <laughs> we really haven't. Mm-hmm. We really haven't made progress. Okay, you've got a nicer car and God gave you that. Right. Right. But we've still got lots of homeless people. Um somehow God doesn't smile on them as much. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I have a question. <laughs> yes. Do you do you think that maybe Maybe it's an obvious question. Maybe it's not. I feel weird just asking it because I'm white, I guess, because uh, it's a culture that I'm not part of. But do you think that maybe it's like a, like a trauma connection that like because the belief system kind of helps your people through difficult trauma, that it's kind of hard to look at it objectively or to criticize it correct okay correct yeah um christianity was a source of hope for our ancestors i i get that i get that Mm -hmm. it it helped them it it helped them make it through um you know all that they endured but then there's a time and a place that we have to grow we have to grow past that Mm -hmm. and see it for what it is Mm -hmm. um you know it might have helped them but it's not serving us now it's divisive in the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not contributing to us coming together as a community. We're making lots of pastors rich, mm-hmm. and we're not. Um, mm. We're not. <laughs> you know, I was listening to uh, Jeremiah Kamara. I mm. was listening to YouTube one day when I was cleaning, and he was being interviewed by Monique and her husband. And uh, he was referencing a survey that he did with some black folks. And I believe the statistic was, the number was that 85% or so of people said that they will and they had paid their tithes instead of their utility bill. Oh my God. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So you s- I never thought about the wealth this, distribution. This is uh-huh. a thing. Um, I remember in churches that I was in myself as an adult, you know, once I left home, you know, we became part of a mega church over here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And um, we were donating to cars and mm-hmm. church repairs and, um, pastor's anniversary and Mm -hmm. all these other things and i had a 
pink notice for my electricity mm, to be disconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. at this time, there were four children in the house. It was me and my husband. Um, I think he had lost his job. And I remember calling up to the church. I was like, we've got to pay this electric bill. Like, I, budget billing had ran out. Amron was like, mm-hmm. bitch, better have my money. We were going to be in the dark. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to bring some levity. But um, so I called the church office and I'm telling them the situation. And just uh, her voice was pretty, just very vanilla. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, sweetie, can you cook? Like, why is she in my mind? I'm like, why is she asking me if I can cook? I was like, yes, ma'am. She was like, well, have you thought of selling some plates? Oh, come on. Come on. No, this is real life, oh right? Does your husband have a lawnmower? Can he cut some Shut lawns? Up. Oh, yeah. And I'm on the other end of the phone like, what? Yeah. Like, I got three days to come up with this money. Yeah. You asking me if I can sell plates or my husband can cut grass. Okay. So I hung up the phone and I'm like, all the money that we've given. Oh, she also reminded me that our tithing record wasn't perfect. No, she said that? Yeah. Because she was able to punch it up on the computer and see that, you know, we had missed some tithing here and there. Your giving has been inconsistent. So, you know, we're not going to be able to help you. This is a thing in the black church. We get lots of money and you get nothing back. You know, you give offerings and the pastor tells you to pray for your needs, for your bills to Mm. get paid. Right. And so what I ended up doing. I I don't tell lies. What I ended up doing, I talked to another friend at the church and I was talking to her and I was, I think I was crying by this point. I'm like, what am I going to do? And she was like, girl, just call Catholic charities. Mm -hmm. I said, girl, what? (laughs) (laughs) Catholic charities. She was dead serious. She was like, yeah, all you got to do is call them and they're going to come by. They're Mm going to want to see the bill. They're going to want to do a prayer with you. And then they'll write, you know, they'll they'll pay the bill for you. I said, girl, you lying. (laughs) What what do you think my next call was? (laughs) Where do you think was the next number that I died? Father? I did there. You know, I'm I'm (laughs) crossing. I'm crossing on my chest. I'm probably crossing around. I will do all your Hail Marys. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep my lights on. Where's that rosary that white girl gave me? Yeah. 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 No, I play the role, but I got my electric bill paid. Hey, and for for someone to know that that went to this church Mm -hmm. that gave the amounts of money that we gave Mm -hmm. to know that the workaround was a Catholic Catholic church to pay your bill, Mm -hmm. I was floored. Yeah, yeah, that's a moment. God, (laughs) that's a moment. You would think that'd be the light bulb that I needed, but it took a little while. It took a little while. (laughs) So yeah, but that's a common thing with with black people is that we put so much into church and and don't do anything for ourselves we uh forget about the legacy that we're supposed to be leaving for our families um how many church folks have to have a gofundme after they die it makes no sense mm-hmm. yeah the least you could do is fund an insurance policy i mean while you're giving like the pastor social money pays out <laughs> you know what i mean like you can depend on the government people more are, than you t- can are getting their churches. last yeah 
in in ministry they're guilted well and that's the fucking story in the oh she gave her last penny to yeah yeah correct it's more about your percentage than it is and then she died in a ditch and nobody cared yeah it's <laughs> not how it goes in the Bible, but so speaking of leaving legacies, yeah. you left your legacy <laughs> that you grew up with. What was kind of the things that started to push you out and to make you question? So, as a child, I didn't question anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I I continue to be amazed by the people that I come into contact with that was like at six years old in Sunday school, I knew the Noah's Ark story was bullshit. <laughs> Jonah and the whale yeah, just yeah, yeah. didn't sound right. I was asking questions about that. Uh-huh. I, my, I deeply admire those people. <laughs> I was not one of those people. I was like hook, line and sinker. Like I had I mean, a hook in my mouth and it was like, yeah, when I was in elementary school, I had an atheist <laughs> friend named Brian and it was my goal to save him. <laughs> so I remember like in second grade on the playground, I was telling him about the story of noah's ark like that was like and he's like you you need to learn about evolution (laughs) but we joke about it because we're facebook friends now and he's like oh wow how the the tables are talking like i know i know i know right so yeah so i didn't question much as a child i didn't question much i I got involved in ministries um mega churches Mm -hmm. i was i was spending a lot of time and money in church, um, serving in helps ministry. That's a thing in the black community. I don't know so much in, in white churches, but you know, we have, we have church all day when we mm-hmm. go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you serve in a helps ministry, whether it's as an usher or an intercessory prayer person right, yeah. or, um, you know, you could be the person that moves the words on the screen, you know, to the, to sure, the songs yeah, the or whatever. Slides, yeah. You've got to be at church like two hours yep, before the, before service, the starts. service starts. Yep. Yeah. Um, did all that. You mm-hmm. know, I, I was a wife. I was a mom of four, you know, busting down the church, church doors, you know, two, three times a week. And this is crazy. And that's another thing, you know, black women spend so much of their time and energy and I'm, I'm, I'm calling out black women because I am one and I saw it for myself mm-hmm. there the, the ratio of men black men to women mm-hmm. in black churches is you mm-hmm. know yeah. always mm-hmm. disproportionate yep. Yep. it's always more women and a lot of them are married and their husbands are not believers they're unequally yoked right oh, you know but you're not exactly drawing him into the church if you're running up behind pastor two three times a week and yeah. you, your home is that's a good point in, yeah. in disarray but that's a common thing yeah you know um you i think know, you so, said in your questionnaire that you knew your pastor better than your husband yeah, yeah yeah i mean we would have arguments and i'd be like pastor said uh-huh. pastor said and yeah. that would only piss him off right. more and he was a believer too but what man wants to hear what pastors yeah 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 right um but that's you know that's something that we would do to you know pastor had the final final word or the most uh the the word that needed to be listened to and that's Mm. got to be emasculating for a man yeah Mm -hmm. um so it it started with um just recognizing that uh, it was just there was a lot of imbalance um Mm. In, in 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 my church life mm-hmm. um, and and creating conflict you know in the in the home so um i as i went through um religious experiences as a child and then as and as an adult um i i found myself in relationships that were 
way less than ideal mm-hmm. um, for me. Yeah. Um, uh, I had been married once before. Uh, I got married again. We needed each other like we needed a hole in our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of that was, you know, just plain old self-esteem <laughs> issues yeah. within myself, which again, you know, religion, yep. you fail to find an identity for yourself. It's yep. all wrapped up in everything and everybody else but you. Yep. Um, it was an abusive relationship. Um, we were still Christians. We were still going to church. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have just fought me in the car mm-hmm. and he hops out and he's an usher on the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And he's That's smiling true. and opening doors for people. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so just yeah. living that double life yeah. um, and, and desperately wanting out of it, but caring so much to a fault Mm -hmm. of what other people would think. Yeah. You know, I I look at women today and, and all their confidence. um, And this is not a criticism. Uh, I need to finish my thought out. There are women who have, you know, four children and they, all their children might have different fathers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They're cool with that. They're not down on themselves mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Me as a preacher's kid with all my Christian training, right. I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't have another child without her dad present. You know, mm-hmm. I'd had two, mm-hmm. that marriage had ended. Um, and then I had another one with the person that I married. You know, I just can't have, you know, I can't be a single mom. You know, and it was just, it was an image thing. A lot of that started from church, from my upbringing, from my my grandmother, my mother, you know, being very much about image. Um, And that was the, that could have been the detriment of me. Um, I felt like a lion in in a cage, like in a dog kennel, like Mm -hmm. I've got to get out Mm -hmm. of this. And I I started realizing what was holding me back. I'm like, this, this just isn't right. Like no one can be under construction that long, you know, uh, in, in, in church, we're told to, you know, that everybody's under construction, you're a work in progress, God's working on you. Um, But when it comes to abuse, abuse, it's different, right? That's different. It's, Mm -hmm. It's not cool. And so some stuff transpired uh, throughout the course of our marriage, and I I had just had enough. I ended up going to a therapist. Um, She was a Christian woman and talked to her, you know, just to talk through stuff, just to survive. We tried counseling together. That session didn't didn't go well. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I was going, I was sneaking and going, actually. And I started talking to her and I'm like, I just, I gotta go. And she started talking to me about the percentage of women who actually leave abusive relationships. You know, this was almost going on, you know, 12 years. And mm. I'm like, you know, he's all I know, good, bad, or indifferent, yep. you know, and uh, all, all the trappings that, that came with that. And I began talking to her, like, I gotta plan my exit. Like, I can't, I can't do this. And... I made I made plans to make my exit very, very silently. I ended up moving out while he was gone to work one day. Mm-hmm. I had some friends and a family member That's how you gotta do loaded it. up a truck yep. and psh, I was gone. Um, but prior, just on the heels of that, I had stopped going to church probably like eight months before uh, I finally decided to separate. 
and uh, folks in the church, you know, they'd see me out at the store. I haven't seen you in forever. What's going on with you? I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. I just I just wasn't interested in putting up a front anymore. Uh, I didn't go into detail. Again, they didn't deserve that that type of energy. But, um, you know, I just wasn't there anymore. And so um, I ended up going to talk to the pastor and first lady. That's the pastor's wife, for those who aren't uh, (laughs) aware of black Christian cultural terms. (laughs) Um, And I I went in to talk to them and tell them, you know, what my plans were. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what's happening. Mm -hmm. This is what has happened. This has been going on the entire time we've known you guys, the entire time during our marriage. And I just, I can't deal with it anymore. And uh, the first lady said something pretty interesting to me. She was like, well... Have you have you ever left before? Have you like sent a message that you're not going to deal with this and you're not going to, you know, put up with this and separated yourself, you know, for just even a short period of time? And I said, no, ma'am. You know, I, I, I was I had the consistent employment at the time. I was managing a lot of things, you know, in the home. There were four children there. Like, how the hell do you leave with four children? Yeah, that that right. seemed like an impossible feat to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And um uh, I was like, no, I haven't. She was like, well, you know, I just, I'm just concerned that if you leave, you know, that that you that that you won't have God's blessing on, you know, on on your future. You know, if it, you know, if if it hasn't been a recent incident, you know, to me that means that you've forgiven him. And I just looked what? and I was like, what? You know, because it had been a few weeks before anything uh, had been. You know, maybe three weeks or so before anything physical had happened when I came into them. It's already too yeah. recent. But it's already, you know, it wasn't recent. <laughs> I stayed, so that means that I <sighs> forgave him. Right. And I was like, that just doesn't jive. That's and, some and very, yeah, yeah mental and gymnastics. Then, yeah, mental gymnastics, right. And then, you know... Um, you know, uh, you know, basically I needed the incident needed to happen again or I needed to uh, catch him, you know, in, you know, in infidelity mm-hmm. before I would be cleared to divorce mm-hmm. and, you know, remarry and, and not still be locked in covenant with with him. Ugh, that and, word. <laughs> covenant. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Oh, I heard that word so much um, throughout oh, Christianity. Yeah. You know, it was it, it it drove the decision whether you could take communion. You know, whether you could you know ask for forgiveness. You know, just it was it's a lot of mental gymnastics. And so mm-hmm. when I left out of there, I said, I'm done with this shit. Mm-hmm. Like yes. all of it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I hadn't started studying anything. I mean, my focus was on flight. Like, I've got to make my plan. I've got to go. Once I got in my own space, um, and that came with its own complications of, you know, leaving a a relationship of that type. Oh, it's so heavy. But yeah, yeah, there's so much. Yeah. When I finally got to my own place, I really started um, just powering down. Uh, I was still going to therapy, um, still trying to work through, you know, the traumas and stuff. But I was, but a lot of great stuff started happening for me, and I hadn't been going to church. And I think when I finally got in my own space, I had a t- had I had a moment to reflect. I I got a new car, and I mean I, I mean, 
at that time, I, my credit score was like uh-huh. one of my children's ages at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, there is no way I'm going to get a new car. Uh-huh. I mean, I got to, I, it was the first brand new car I had ever had. I got to drive it off the drive it off the truck off the rack, and I was like, "Man, I got a raise on my job. I got mm-hmm. promoted twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to travel internationally. You know, mm-hmm. I just just all this great stuff started happening. Now there was still a bunch of bullshit happening in the background sure. with that right, whole separation. Right. But you're thing. not really feeling the whole like. But curse I'm not for feeling it. <laughs> right. Curse for breaking right. your covenant I'm like, type of thing. I haven't paid. I haven't given the church anything in, uh-huh. a, in, in a year or, it's or nice more. nice to have that money Period, back. right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, all this great stuff is happening. I was like, okay, something's got to be going on here. And so I started YouTubing some stuff, Googling some stuff, started listening to Pastor Ray Hagens. I don't know if he's mm. familiar to you. That name rings a bell. Yeah, he uh, he's a former uh, former pastor. He oh, has yeah. um, okay, a congregation yeah, called the stuff. African Village uh-huh. here in St. Louis. And well, I don't they still have services here. I think he's primarily in Atlanta. Okay. okay. But he's got tons of YouTube videos out there. So uh-huh. any listeners, he's a good place to start. He does a lot of he takes like little things and deconstructs why, Absolutely. They, why they don't make sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So he yeah. deconstructs the Jesus thing for you. Yeah. He still yeah, yeah, does yeah, the yeah. God thing though. So, okay. but that was a that was a baby step, right? Sure, yeah. Um, just even that's a big step. Yeah, yeah. disproving the whole. It's like Jesus he thing. he knows the Bible really well. So oh, he, he uses does. the Bible to sort of disprove the Bible, which is pretty. He does, like yeah, because he was deep. He was in deep. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I I never attended. Um, it, the atmosphere was still very church-like, and I'm yep. still triggered by church-like atmospheres. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I'm not Lots going anywhere where they're singing and, and mm-hmm. doing you Sitting know pews, testimony service yeah. and, and offerings, and I, I can't do that. Um, but but it was a very good uh, initial step into you know just following up on some thoughts that I had, and then I started seeing people on social media connecting in, in some groups. Kevin Wesley was another mm-hmm. person, he's got he had an awesome video, uh, he was an ex pastor as well. Um, I was like, okay, these are these people are doing all right, and they, mm-hmm. they're black, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. they're making sense, they're right? making yeah. sense, right? Um, and so I just, just really kind of started there, um, and then my, my journey kind of led me to uh, a a person who is a dear, dear, dear sister. I can't even call her a friend. She's like a sister to me. Um, But I I was doing all of this research and listening to stuff very, very quietly. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to follow, you know, I'm going to follow it because I love researching. I love knowing. I love learning, right? And so I... um, I scheduled a photo shoot. It was just something I needed to do for my self esteem. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. I had never had one, um, and so I went. That's a great idea. It, I love that. Oh gosh, she was so amazing, and I had uh-huh. been following her on Facebook, and she was like one of the first people that I saw local people that was posting some real shit about black people, about the black community, about uh-huh. the state of our religiosity uh-huh. and, and not being a unit and not, not supporting each other and not being able to, um, you know, put this religion thing aside and really build together. Um, 
so, uh, you know, she she was a free thinker and I was like, OK, I'm really attracted to that. I'm, I'm reading her post, reading her post. And so I ended up scheduling a photo shoot, had zero expectation to go, but just for a photo shoot. Um, and I began to talk to her while she was doing my makeup. And she was the first person that I uttered out loud to like, mm. man, I don't this Jesus stuff this is looking real <laughs> yep. shaky yep. and fakeish. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that what I've been <laughs> holding on to all these years is a real thing. And she just listened to me. She didn't mm-hmm. make any judgment. She didn't make any comments or anything. The safe the, the space just felt so sacred mm-hmm. and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all need that. And that's why I encourage people to find you, find someone to talk to, mm-hmm. find your village, find find someone mm-hmm. that you can talk to. God, yeah. um, and so she uh, she was very instrumental. And, and I, I told her about it. You know, we laughed, we cried. I talked to her about it. She didn't ridicule me. She kind of she really took me in and int- introduced me to her circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And I kind of call them my tribe, my village. Mm-hmm. They get together, um, mostly a group of free thinkers. Some of them were still religious in some ways. But it was the first time I ever saw a group of black people be able to engage and talk and have differing opinions. There you go. And ain't nobody throwing blows at the end of it. Nobody's yeah. cursing yeah. each other. You know, there was a deep level of respect there. There uh-huh. was a deep level of you know, help me understand where you're coming from. You think differently from me, mm-hmm. you know, help tell me more. It was that kind of environment. Very, mm. um, it, it really, really contributed to my growth. And so she still has those get togethers occasionally and I'm, I'm, I'm present, I'm there. Um, so she was very influential uh, on that journey. And so I have a tribe, uh, mm. you know, of, of people that uh, embraced me just for who I was and, and where I was. You know, I couldn't go outside of that group and go running and telling people that this is what I thought, but mm-hmm. I felt really safe, right. really safe with them. That's so That's meaningful. So good. I love it. You know, I we need to take a break, but before we take a break, I'm just like, I'm listening to you talk about, <laughs> I'm listening to you talk about who, like, what you were like as a religious person. And I'm like trying to imagine, like in the the hour and some that we, I've known you, you have this like very like not a very subtle presence, right? Like you are here, you are stating your opinion, you are like very a demanding presence. And I'm trying to picture you as like a subdued church girl, <laughs> and it's really racking my brain. Like I cannot. So it just, just as a, a testament to the kind of transformation that <laughs> leaving religion can result in, really coming into yourself and really gaining that confidence. Like that is, it's so cool to it's see so you different. like you I are now that. and listen to you describe who you used to be. Yeah. I cannot imagine this person standing in front of me, like staying in an abusive relationship for 12 years, yeah. you know, like, I, I was, and that's a good, that is a very, very that positive is, transformation. That is growth. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about parenting and we're going to no, talk. Her and I are going to talk about parenting. You're gonna yeah. Have to no, sit there I'm just going to sit there and, and be quiet <laughs> because yeah, just like you were quiet while we were talking about black stuff, Brady. <laughs> I was mostly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and then we're going to talk about black non-believers of uh, your Louis. your city, or or St. Louis in particular. So. Oh yeah. When we get back.
If you were gonna die tonight, do you know where you Stop. Would... Just tell them about our website. Oh, just tell them to go to the lifeafter.org? Yes. They can go now, even without accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> the lifeafter.org. We have a blog, contact page, a link to our Facebook page, and more. All right. The lifeafter.org. Heavenly. And welcome back to The Life After. Uh, we are here in the studio with Brady and our guest today, Elle, uh, who, man, just this has been a journey. I am just having a great time <laughs> on this too. interview. This is great. I'm loving it. Uh, so, all right, Brady, what do you want to talk we're, about? Yeah, we're now getting into my wheelhouse. What the fuck do you want to talk about? <laughs> okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go have a beer. <laughs> just text me when you're done deal um <laughs> parenting is interesting to me and i love talking about it we had cindy wayne brands on we talked about that um but for me I, I came from a very calvinistic background and i remember that if somebody had their kid because we had like a family integrated church so it was like multi-generational in the same room and if a baby like made too much noise or anything we had this asshole piece of shit pastor uh who has since been fired thank you very much bob scamber you piece of shit but he would yell he would he would call family he would call families out and like call parents out if their babies were too loud he called them he compared them to cows and it would just like it was like a public humiliation thing that he would do because he's an insecure piece of shit if you're listening bob you're a piece of shit um, but it was but it what it did instilled into me was this feeling that my kids needed to be perfect mm-hmm. so when i have my son you know he's seven now and even though he was just an infant when i was leaving the faith like literally just three or six months old when i started to get the hell out of there um i i would feel too much pressure and responsibility that my kid was quiet and good and seen but not heard and and all that shit but as i'm leaving christianity my parenting has changed completely and my intentionality is different and I'm able to go alongside my son instead of over my son. Uh, we do guided meditations together, which was never be a thing that we could have done. You know, as Christians, um, we would have had prayer time, but it would have been different. Right. So how, what are some of the ways that you've seen your parenting change as you've left that, that culture? So, um, I've got three daughters uh, of my own. I mentioned four children in previous segments because I had a, a bonus child. I don't believe in that step thing. Um, mm-hmm. I like I've, that. I've got three three daughters of my own, 26, 24, and 16. Um, also a proud glamour. That's three, right. Three-year-old. Glamour. I just want to make sure everybody heard that right. <laughs> glamour. 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 And let me tell you, she's not wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Kisses, kisses, <laughs> blowing kisses. <laughs> blowing kisses. Um, so um, the the older two, I uh, was very much into Christianity uh, as I raised them. Being a young mother, uh, you previously heard that I had her at, at 16. Um, she grew up with me. They grew up with me. Mm-hmm. It was a whole lot I didn't know. Um, through abusive relationships, you know, they, they saw everything. Yeah. Um, I was never a, a, a yeller or a spanker or anything like that. Um, just wasn't 
wasn't my way. My parents, you know, love them. I, I didn't get spankings. You know, I, Oh, you didn't get. I didn't. I, I don't know get... if it was because I was the only girl, um, or because I was just so damn oh, did perfect. Your That's what it was. I think I was perfect. It was the... No, my, perfect. my siblings got broke off. Oh, Let's okay. be clear. Oh, okay. <laughs> they will I hear, was like, they will I was hear like, this and laugh. No, so. I I don't recall. I might have gotten. I had a to go couple, out and find, a, find my own switch. A couple whoopings, and that was because I, I know one distinctly was. My uncle, who liked to drink a lot, um, I was walking with my brothers down the street and my uncle had been drinking. And he said, he said something to one of my little brothers about pussy. And, oh, no. <laughs> and he was he was lit. But uh-huh. um, and I was like, don't be talking. I, I think I cursed or something. But I was like, don't be saying that shit to them. Or so, And I, you know, uh-huh. you're a drunk uncle and you just said something about pussy to some <laughs> boys that are less than 10 years old. I am clearly the old. moral authority I here. got in trouble for cursing back at you're you. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, bullshit. yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I, I was just so perfect. I, <laughs> I believe it. Tell, tell my brothers, like, they kept trying for perfection. I'm the oldest, right? I'm the oldest, and there's four four boys younger than me. They kept trying for perfection. They just could not repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So, um, but as, as it relates to parenting, you know, my two older girls experienced uh, a very different person than I am now. Yeah. My 16-year-old got to experience some of that. Um, but being in our own space uh, and away from all that, she has seen me reinvent myself in a lot of ways. That's awesome. Um, there's uh, someone, I'm dropping nuggets during this podcast, y'all. Go to Facebook and follow Dr. Stacy Patton mm-hmm. um, or uh, go buy her book on Amazon. <clears throat> um, she coins the term decolonize your parenting. Oh. I think her book is uh, "Spare the Spare the Child." She talks okay. a lot about the historical um, implications of the black community and and whooping our kids, spanking mm. our kids. That has a completely different context. Wow. Yeah, um, and and how it's rooted in slavery, mm-hmm. yeah. and how it stunts the growth, um, how it uh, triggers hormones in a child's body that um, mm. that trigger puberty and mm. other and, and other things and our children at a younger age no because shit. we're spanking them I you know that, yeah. the, your nerve centers are in your backside mm. right and a lot of things happen when a child gets struck mm-hmm. and in the black family you know you got whooped you got your ass you know whatever mm-hmm. they you know whatever they call it but it was to inflict pain and they thought that was the right thing to do and and they're using bible verses right. to yeah to you know make that behavior okay um and so she really goes you know she she does she posts different things her book is um is is on amazon uh, but i i really like what she says about that so 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 i i'm not a spanker I, i i remember one instance where i spanked my older girls and i cried because i only did it because i had a bad day Mm. And I had the thought, and this was while I was still a Christian, they were at home, I was working full time, I had the two of them, I was also going to school, they were making a lot of noise, they were doing something, and I was was just stressed. 
and I lit off into them. And then I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh. I went to my room, they were crying. I sent them to their room. I went to my room and cried. And I'm like, damn it, that wasn't even about them and what they were doing. Mm. They were being kids. They were just playing. I was irritated because I had a shitty day. Yeah, yeah. And I apologized to them. And I don't recall ever hitting them again. I mean, that just wasn't my thing. so with my younger child, um, I, I really focus more on um, trust and respect. Um, she is a gift to me. She's not beneath me. She has her own thoughts and ideas. As a child in the black community, they're taught to, you know, be seen and not heard. Don't mm-hmm. be in grown folks conversations, you know, know your place. They're not allowed. You know, we talked earlier about the autonomy of their body. Um, to me, that also means their mind. Yeah. She doesn't have to agree with everything yeah. that I say. You know, mm-hmm. she can have an opinion and mm-hmm. I've allowed her to voice her opinion. But we also have conversations about there's a proper way to give your opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm raising a child that I'm going to send out into the world and I don't want her afraid to uh, challenge a boss yep. or a coworker. It's all in how you say it. Mm-hmm. It's all in how you yep. say it. Absolutely. Um, but you need to say it. Yeah. You don't. You don't keep swallowing that. Well, and, and you know, and just let it be. And in in black culture in particular, but in a, in just a lot of conservative families, it's like an opinion is back talk. Yes, you absolutely. Know, it's considered back talk, and back talk is one is a high crime. <laughs> Get you broke yeah. off uh-huh. having an opinion. Yep. Right. You don't pay no bills here. Right. <laughs> you know, so yep. so just just having that um just having that as the foundation of our relationship of trust. Um I extend trust to her and it's up to her to break it. You know, I was just not allowed to do shit. Right. No, you're not allowed to go here. You're not allowed to go there. You're not allowed to listen to this. Don't do that. And and for me, that connected to religion. You always, I, I would I would be scared if I was to step outside of what my parents said to do because I felt like they were always watching me. Like we always felt that God or Jesus was watching us and waiting to waiting to punish us. It wasn't me obeying them because. Yeah, they're my parents. They love. They love me. They're probably telling me something right. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to make them mad. I don't mm-hmm, want them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think humans behave differently when there's a respect versus a fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know that she mm-hmm. can make the right decisions when she's away from me. I don't want her to fear my reaction. Yeah. I want to have taught her how to respond to that situation mm-hmm. and and for her to feel free in, mm-hmm. in what she chooses. Like we have this thing, um, if, you know, she goes to parties, she goes to parties where young men are present and young ladies. Mm-hmm. She has more guy friends than she has girlfriends. That's okay. Yeah. In my world, when I grew up, yeah, no, you was a hoe or you uh-huh. was messing with all of these boys well, you know, if you did that. I'm working through, I want her to have those well-rounded relationships. I also have the door open for dialogue. And she talks to me mm-hmm. about 
everything. Mm-hmm. Some stuff I do not want to hear. Mm-hmm. But she talks to me about everything. But that's better I than want not to talking about anything. Exactly. I didn't right. talk to my that's parents how, about I mean, anything. Yeah, I didn't talk to my they didn't have a anything. sex talk with me. Right. I don't know where I learned it. what I yeah. learned. Right. Well, you know what you're saying about respect versus fear. Respect is a give and take thing. You have to give respect to get respect. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to offer respect. Whereas fear is a one is a one, a one way. way that is a you will fe- you will fear me. It's, it's punitive. It's not some. It's not something that's inviting. You, a, a child, I think, is more apt to rebel if they fear you than if they have a respect for you. Yep. And if mm. they know the foundation upon Absolutely. which you you gave this rule, like I don't want you to do this because X, Y, and Z. Where in you know traditionally. Don't do it because I said don't do it. Exactly. I'm having conversations about you don't want to do this because this is a consequence. So you understand the consequences behind your actions. Um, and so it's just not parenting out of, place of, out of a place of fear. It's very liberating. I have a great trust for her. It's up to her to break that. You know, we've had some mm-hmm. tough conversations before. But, you know, something as simple as you know, having friends over, you know, to the house. I wasn't allowed to be around other young men. She's not dating any of these guys. They are legit friends. I want her to know how to have those (laughs) those platonic relationships. That's a necessary thing to becoming a whole individual. And and so um, I, I really foster that, you know, on the religion tip, you know, she she goes to a private religious school um that was my choice because i i fell in love with some things that are foundational to the school not the religious part um but it is up to her and we had this conversation i i know what you get taught i know what some of the classes are Mm -hmm. you know where i'm at Mm mm-hmm up to you to choose i just want you to be able to see don't get so locked into anything Mm -hmm. that you are afraid to study or know or research or ask questions and 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 she's fine with that so you know decolonizing my parenting learning to you know parent from a place of 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 being whole i think i was just so broken and fragmented Mm -hmm. um you know while i was in religion just got there's just so much tearing at you um, but I've got to send a whole child out into this world. And, and it's so important that I don't send a problem out there. I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't want to send anything broken out there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, That's beautiful. if you can help yeah. it. yeah. If I can help it. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, some things I've done might send her to therapy. And, you know? I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. At, at least I gave it a, a, a good shot. So I love that. One of my favorite things about this show is like cathartically like, like vicariously experiencing the parenting I wish I had through the the narratives that we get to hear about yeah. the way people are changing their parenting, you know. Like, oh God, I'm so glad these kids have it better than I did. You know, I had a situation, <laughs> and like, it's not like my, you know, my situation wasn't so bad, but it's like there's plenty of things I can easily point out that. Yeah, I had a situation with my son this last week. Um, he's he's seven. He had a he's really good about his emotions usually and we're able to you know kind of talk things out but something just really frustrated him while he was just playing like a video game where he was like crying and so we got the opportunity to kind of like sit down and go over like okay what is what are you feeling right now and we we realized the word is frustration Mm -hmm. okay well what is frustration where does it come from 
um, our brains make us feel that it's a really big deal, but soon we get a step back, we can see that it's not a big deal. Uh So (laughs) when we're feeling that feeling and it's feeling overwhelming, then let's remind our brain that it's going to be okay in a few seconds and it's not going to be as bad. Mm -hmm. So be able to talk through that sort of thing to have that self-awareness and understanding of how to deal with the emotion that we don't have a word for. We just have crying for. Yeah. yeah, Right. Um, That's so important. And it's something that my family didn't have the words vocabulary or anything for all we had was you do bad, you get spanking. Right. Mm -hmm. And that church I was mentioning before that I was disfellowshipped from and um, the pastor that I mentioned, Bob, he, he did an entire sermon one time on an entire hour and a half of how to spank your kids at each age, starting from an infant. I brought a visitor that week and I felt so ashamed, so embarrassed, even as a Christian. And, um, it was such a dumb thing, but they had such a, emphasis on on the spanking that uh this isn't my story to tell so i won't tell names or anything but there is a friend of mine that had their kid that a deacon spanked their kid without their consent Mm -hmm. while like during a sermon and then that's when they were like fuck this we're out because their kid had sensory sensory def like sensory uh deprivation not deprivation because it's like the 11 when she's in that tank oh, uh sensory overload what do you call yeah, that yeah yeah but yeah since she had sensory issues or problems yeah so um, it, that meant more to her and to that family than it did for that he didn't have the right to do oh my god what the hell are you doing speaking yeah. somebody else's child wow um but that emphasis of that stupid doctrine broke down all of these boundaries that naturally should have been happening mm-hmm. and just created an atmosphere of not people intuitively raising their kids, but just kind of, Oh, when this happens, I do this. When this happens, I do this. Oh yeah. yeah you know, yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. this robotic not, trigger, not, thing, not reacting a, to the unique nature of the kid in any way exactly. or the situation. Just saying like, Oh yeah, this, these are the rigid like bullet point rules. The that nuance is gone. Nuance is gone. Usually it's more about I'm frustrated and I'm Mm -hmm. taking it out on you. Mm -hmm. You belong to me. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we see our children as property that Mm -hmm. has roots in slavery as well. That's that's the colonizing stuff. So, yeah. And her book is called, uh, I think I said it wrong. It's called Spare the Kids, Why Whooping Children Won't Save Black America. And that's by who? Dr. Stacey Patton. Cool. Very cool. Yep. We're all about those those, uh, new parenting books undoing the old ways speaking of black people (laughs) can you tell us about black non-believers as an organization and what you all are doing in st louis specifically uh sure um it's a funny story how i even came up on black non-believers if you would oblige me um i want to hear it (laughs) sure (laughs) so um when i began my my deconstruction journey i i told you guys it started with some some youtube videos and then i was like okay spiritual stuff oh that's kind of cool crystals let me see what this is about <laughs> let me get a few tarot readings yep, yep, yep. where's the ouija board now Breaking it was all the like, rules. yeah it was just like whatever was forbidden like let me yep. bring that I'm shit on i'm scared right. of ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> ouija board, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mess with the ouija board just to call me off now i had, had a few readings uh-huh. you know i you know was in doing loving crystals and stuff yep. And I'm like, okay. And then, uh, you know, I just kept reading and seeing stuff and watching videos and stuff. And I, I mean, I never had the thought of 
atheism. You know, I was like, oh, I'm a free thinker. I'm a non-believer. Atheism wasn't even on the map for Mm -hmm. me. And I know there are a lot of people who enter the journey with... uh, uh, what's his name? Christopher Hitchens. Right, or, oh, yeah. um, Dan Harris. Yeah. Or... So there's like all these atheism grace white people, um, except for, you know, maybe like Tice. Neil deGrasse. Uh, Neil deGrasse. Uh, Tyson, yeah, Tyson. Yeah. And um, but yeah, for the most part, they're white folks, you know, so I was just like, mm-hmm. uh, that, that that's not my stick. Right. Um, I was desperately looking for other people to communicate with online because I felt like I was censoring myself a little bit because of all the people that I was connected to. Um, You know, I joined different Facebook groups and I ran into uh, punched up black non-believers and, you know, was in their group. I'm like, man, it would be so cool to have a chapter in St. Louis. So Mm -hmm. I sent a messenger message to Mandisa Thomas, who's the president and founder of Black Nonbelievers. Like, hey, is there a chapter here in St. Louis? And at that time, she was like, no, there's not. Um, but I'm, uh, con- I'm, I'm considering, you know, um, putting a chapter there. Check back with me. So I went on about my life. Um, I found some other groups to connect with on Facebook. And I was just going through my messages just scrolling. I don't even know why, but I came back across her message and it was at least a, it was probably close to a year later. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a group yet. And so I messaged her back. I was like, hey, you know, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you remember me, but is there a group in St. Louis yet? And she was like, no, there isn't. But would you like there to be? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'd love that. She was like, great. Are you interested in being the leader of it? (laughs) Whoa, hold on, flag on the play. Wait a minute, what? Um, So I was like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) So we had like a planning call and I brought a few friends together. I was scared shitless. Let's just, you know, because it's such a different thing. It's a big big responsibility. And I felt like I don't know enough. I'm still new at this. And, you know, leading a group of people and, um, you know, and I still feel like I don't know a lot. There's there's so much to know when mm-hmm. you when you come out of religion. There's there's I mean, you could spend a lifetime studying stuff. Um, but I decided, like most things, with my Gemini self, to just jump on in. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I did that, and uh, so I'm the chief organizer for the Black uh, Nonbelievers St. Louis affiliate chapter. The um, the the parent chapter is uh, out of Atlanta. The president and founder is Mandisa Thomas. She is an amazing individual. I got to meet her earlier this year when she came into town uh, for Skepticon, and she also oh, yeah. spoke hey. at the Ethical Society. Okay, and that's cool. where I met you, Brady. Uh-huh. Um, St. Louis is chapter number 14. So Black Nonbelievers has really grown its presence. It's been uh, in existence since, uh, let me get this right, 2000, um, I'm going to say it wrong. Oh, 2011. 2011. Thank you. Uh, So yeah, coming up on 10 years here, not too, not too far from now. Um, But the group was, uh, it's a, it's a nonprofit, but it provides secular fellowship for people um, who are freeing themselves from religion. They're on their journey. Um, we are people who live free of irrational beliefs. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. Yeah. Um, and, and we also welcome allies. So in our St. Louis group, we have a couple of white members 
Uh, we welcome uh, allies to our group. Uh, all of the groups do, uh, but there are 14 of them. I'll name off the cities real quickly. Yeah, I um, wanted to know. Yeah, Atlanta, Charlotte, Cincinnati, Dallas, uh, D.C., Detroit, Louisville, Milwaukee, New York City, Orlando, uh Portland, St. Louis, and I think Richmond, Virginia was the latest one that was added. Oh, cool. So we've got quite the presence and still continuing to grow. Um, cool. So what I, an you know, important thing. I love that. Yeah. I encourage people to seek out these groups. If, if you're uh, black and you are looking for a support group of, of people who you can talk to and be open with, it's a safe space. Uh, our St. Louis group meets uh, on the third Sundays of the month because, hey, Sundays are free. Second Saturday. Um, so we do, um, we're still establishing the membership here. We do have a closed, uh, a private Facebook group. Cool. And there's quite a, quite a bit of activity in that group. Um, and we converse back and forth. And then we have the in-person meetings. And uh, we, I mean, we talk about everything. We're working on uh, getting some additional membership so that we can table and uh, at more events. Uh, there are a lot of things that happen around the city of St. Louis that uh, we need to be tabling at, mm. um, like pride. Like there's opportunities there. You know, there's a lot of religious groups and mm-hmm. and even some atheist groups out there. So uh, we'll be looking to put our our stamp out there to let people know that that we exist. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's a support group. Um, we we encourage each other. We give each other, you know, real real information, real tools on, on what we're all struck, what we all might be struggling with. You know, people are at different stages. They provide helpful information. Um, it's, it's a really cool group and I'm so proud to be the chief organizer of the St. Louis family. We're, we're, we're a little family. Um, and and I love it. I love it. I love the, uh, the catchphrase on this, on the business card is, uh, walking by sight, not faith. Oh yeah. I get a lot of attention when I wear my shirt Uh that says that. I love it. I love it. And it's got a little, uh, a little like Adam on it to indicate that things are science and evidence based, which is fantastic. I love it. That is kind of like the universal sign of, uh, we don't believe bullshit. Yeah. 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 And Adam. Yeah. A very incorrect model of an atom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to be scientific about it and everything. Yeah, but we really want to be there as a support. If you're feeling isolated, mm-hmm. if you're feeling, you know, alone in this journey, you yeah. are not by any means. Yeah. So find us. We're on Facebook, Meetup, Twitter. Right. Um, and even if you're, I imagine even if you're like pretty far outside of town, you can still get on the Facebook Absolutely. Group and, mm. yeah. Absolutely. And once a month Still, isn't that bad of a drive. No. No, not no, at all. Not if at you all. live in like Boonesville or something. Arnold. <laughs> My hometown. Uh L, thank you so much. Yeah, this, this is has amazing. Been, oh man. What what didn't we? This is it. This is a whole we just this is the only episode we needed this season, I think. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we had a lot of good episodes, but this was a particularly good one. I'm really excited to have you on. So thank you so much for coming out. This has um, been a wonderful first experience. Is, is there good. Any, good. I'm you. glad that it went well because I know that you were a little nervous. Oh, God. So when I met you, you're like, oh, sleepless. I've never told my story like that. <laughs> sleepless in St. Louis. <laughs> is, there any, uh, is there anything else uh, our listeners should know? 
Um, I, I think I've dropped gems, nuggets uh, yeah, throughout. I yeah, I think so. Yeah, pick them cool. pick them up. Just double check. <laughs> Find yeah. those pick up what nuggets. I was putting down. Find the gems and nuggets. Yeah. They'll be in the show notes. Um, and just a reminder to our listeners, we have a Facebook page. It's a close Facebook group, kind of like how you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, people deconstructing their faith. We kind of look at it like an online group, like, you know, Group therapy safe, safe space to talk about your religious trauma and your uh, the struggle of deconversion and to not feel isolated. Another thing we have is a Patreon. You probably already heard a commercial for that. And <laughs> it was real bad. Please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps new people find the show and it's really helpful and for subscribe. us to grow. And, and on wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. Um, and before we go, we have a little saying on this show. Um, and that is, if you don't go, you to, go to church, church Sunday, Sunday is just the second Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you all. Let me put on that for you a little bit. Shop, pasted in like Bibles on backdrops, feeling bad for shit on your laptop.